In Psalm 105, as we talk about commit to fit, in Psalm 105, the Bible tells us that he also brought them out with the silver and the gold, and there was not one feeble person among them. Isn't that wonderful that when God brought the children of Israel, they were in bondage, they were, they were in a place that God never expected them to be as long as they were, and they had a promised land that God was bringing them into, but they were not living in their promised land. And so the Bible says that they cried out to God, and he delivered them, he brought them out with the silver and the gold, and there was not one person that was feeble among them. Now, I want you to give you the definition of feeble because the word feeble means lacking in physical strength, especially as a result of age or illness. And so he's, the Bible says not only had they worked for so many years, but God rewarded them and restored or recompensed them, paid them for all of their back work, and he brought them out. And when he brought them out, there was not one person that had little strength, they were all strong in their body, and that there was not one person, regardless of their age, not one person was sick. In the book of Acts chapter 2, do you believe the word of God? Yes. In the book of Acts, it says that, um, that they were together in one place, they had all things in one accord, and no one had need of anything. Do you believe that it is possible today to be an Acts 2 church? Where no one has need of anything. All bills are paid. No one has need of anything. Everybody's healed in their bodies. And so that's, that's what I'm believing God for. And all I need is one other person. Because if two or more agree. <laughs> so, so notice what happens here. He says that they came out with the silver and the gold and there was not one feeble one among them. So what we know is we know that all health is rooted in, in God. And we can see that from the time of Exodus. One of the things that we notice here is that from the time of Exodus, after that, God speaks and he says that I am the Lord that heals thee. I am the Lord God who heals you. And then what we find even in the psalmist, the psalmist uh, later on would cry out, and uh, would say that, oh, Lord, heal me. And we could see that cry reverberating all through the New Testament. And so what we recognize then is that every, all, all healing is rooted in and with God. And when we look at that, we also recognize that God tells us why he wants us to be healed in our bodies. And it's in, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 19, notice what God is saying about us. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So your bodies represent the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body represents the temple of the Holy Spirit. Would you repeat after me? My body represents the temple of God. And when we look at that and we recognize, we can see throughout the word of God that when God puts his spirit inside you, your body becomes a temple and it is a residence for him to live. Your body is a residence for God to live. And so Jesus 
was serious about the temple because when he came in, he saw an opportunistic group of people uh, uh, selling merchandise and they were ripping the innocent people off that had come for the festivals. And the Bible tells us that Jesus came in and he began to turn over tables and he began to whip them because of how they were treating the temple or the place of God, the house of God, or where God lived. And it's interesting about that is that when he did that, his disciples remember that it was written that zeal for my father's house has consumed me. And then they begin to recognize that there's something that he has about this house. I want to share with you what this word zeal means because it's a, it's a beautiful word. It means great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause. So Jesus had great enthusiasm toward the pursuit of honoring God in a sacred, holy place. And when they were not, I mean, he like turned the tables over and just began to whip up some people. Now, when we see that, then we recognize then if our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, what we recognize is that before there was a temple, there was a tabernacle. And this tabernacle, God instructed them, and he would live in that, but the tabernacle was movable. And as a result of that, that wherever they would go, God could go. And God wanted to go wherever they would go. And so they built this tabernacle. Then later, Solomon built the temple, but then in the new covenant, God made us his temple and tabernacle. So that initially what he instructed his people to do, I want you to go out here and I want you to worship me. And that he began to walk with them or go with them wherever they went. That's what God desires for us. But how many of you know that your physical condition could, could affect your spiritual condition? That if, how many of you know if you're tired, if you don't have any energy, if you're sick in your body, you cannot uh, worship and honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords like he desires. And so well, let's look at this. Then. I believe that most of us want to live our lives long and healthy. <laughs> and we've got to get this thing right too because the Bible says that wisdom, he says get wisdom in all you're getting, get understanding. Notice this, wisdom. He says that in your right hand are length of days and in your left hand are riches and honor. The dominant hand of God that we see, Jesus is sitting at his right hand. Not, I'm not saying that one hand is weaker than another. I am saying that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And, he, and, and those that were in the scripture talks about, let us sit at your right hand. But notice what he says that's in the right hand, length of days. What's in the left hand? Riches and honor. How many of you know that there are so many people with riches and honor would trade their riches and honor for length of days? And what God is saying is, I want you to have length of days so you can enjoy the riches and honor. And as we, and he says that that's where wisdom is. That's where wisdom uh, resides. And it resides, and you'll see it with length of days and then also riches and honor, which means that you've got enough hours. And you're not just learning by experience, but you've got enough hours to walk with God so he can put great wisdom in you. And then now you've obeyed his word and you, got an, you have an inheritance laid up for your children's children. And uh, there, are, there are things you can do for the covenant of God. That's what he desires. You know, the beautiful thing about that is so often we may grow up and we may grow up where we lived in a house that, that it was, they, they struggled and they could barely pay their bills. And then we, 
we come out of that house and we effectively begin to live the same way. But I really sense this year in a very strong way that those of you that have been struggling financially, that, that this is the year you've been waiting on for, for God to break you out. Amen. This is the year for debts to be canceled. And I mean supernatural debt cancellation. Most of us want, do want to live a, a long life, and, and many times we believe that it, it's due to genetics. And, um, and, and in some ways that that's true, but it's also do, uh, in some way responsible or due to the individual. And uh, so um, when we look in the Word of God, since all healing starts with Him, we look in the Word of God, one of the things that we recognize here is that there were instant healings that God did. That remember the servant of the centurion that God healed uh, that servant instantly. Um, the Bible says he just sent his word and the servant was healed. Then there was a man with a withered hand that Jesus healed instantly. And then there was a paralytic and his friends took him on the roof and they tore the roof off the place. Jesus looked up and saw their faith and said that be healed. So in instance, there were instances where Jesus spoke and miracles of healing took place. But then there were also uh, places in the Bible where it's evidence where God wanted men to follow what he said for them to be healed. In Luke chapter 4 verse 27, it says it like this. Come on champions, would you read that with me like you know it is the word of his power. Let's, let's read it together now. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Notice this, that Jesus even talked about that. He says that I saw no greater faith in Israel except Naaman. And he began to talk about how he healed Naaman. Naaman was healed and was the only person who had leprosy that was healed during that time. Now the story of Naaman is in 2 Kings chapter 5. And, and the story it begins with the power of a man. Naaman is a, a commander of the Syrian army. But then his story, story takes a turn because behind all of that armor, he's got a problem. He has a disease. He has, he has leprosy. And leprosy is something that will uh, cause your body to, to, uh, and your skin to, to rot and to, and to stink. And he may look like a great warrior on the outside, but inside of that armor, his body was deteriorating. And so he goes to the king and he says that, King, I would like to go and ask the, ask the king of Israel to, uh, to heal me. And so the king writes a letter of Syria, writes a letter uh, on behalf of Naaman. Naaman takes it to the king of Israel. The king says, oh, my God, what have they done to me? I don't know how to heal him. Elisha goes to him and says, uh, why have you ripped your clothes? Why are you mourning? He says that. This hard thing that had been given to me, that this commander of, a, of the Syrian army has asked me to heal him. And notice here, well, let's pick this up, this story up. Because as we pick this story up, we're going to pick it up in the ninth verse. But I want you to notice something here. The Bible says that Naaman came. And when he came to see Elisha, the Bible says that he came with 750 pounds of silver. And 750 pounds of silver of value at $200,000 today. Now get this, when he came, he came with 150 pounds of gold. 150 pounds of gold are valued today at $3.4 million. 
So here is a man who's, who's very powerful in his country, and he's coming with $3.6 million to see Elisha, see the king of Israel, but ultimately he sees Elisha because he wants to pay for his healing. So uh, look here in verse 9. We'll look at it in verse 9 through 11. It says, Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you will be clean. Verse 8, or verse 11, rather. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me. He, does he know who I am? He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Laman says, do we know, Naaman says, do we know who I am? I want him to come out here and I want him to perform some ritual on me. I want him to come. Look, I'm important. And I want him to come, and I want him to come to me. Don't just send a little messenger out to me and tell me what I should do. do does he know who I am? And what I want him to do is I want him to talk to God. I want him to touch me and wave his hands over me. I want him to do a demonstration. And one of the servants, I'm going to call it Naimina. One of the servants said that if he would have asked you to do a hard thing, wouldn't you have done it? Naaman's upset. Naaman says, wait a minute, the this river is dirty, it's muddy. I can go to my own country in Damascus, and I can there are cleaner rivers there. If I wanted to dip in a river, I could dip there. But his servant says that if he would have asked you to do a hard thing, wouldn't you have done it? And Naaman considered it. And as he considered that, the Bible tells us that he went back, and he began to follow not what he wanted, not how he thought it should be done, but he began to follow the word that he had received from God. And look at this in verse 14, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 14. Let's read it together now. So when he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Let me show you what one translation says. One translation says it like this. So he went to dip himself in the Jordan River seven times. As the man of God had instructed him, his skin became healthy again like a little child's skin. Now you know what the skin of a baby is like. And they, don't babies smell good even when they throw up on themselves? I love the way babies smell. I just want to go and smell them. So clean, so pure. And so notice this here. If Naaman would have done what he thought should be done, if Naaman would have done what was comfortable to him, if Naaman would have done what, 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 what uh, he thought needed to be done, then what would have happened is he would, miss, he would have missed his healing. And even of the new covenant, as Jesus was ministering, he talked about him. And so this really shares something with us is that God healed him, but it wasn't the way that Naaman expected. But what God required was him to participate with God's anointing. God required for him to do something 
for the anointing. Now, God has healed people instantly. He just says, be healed. You give, give them a blood transfusion from the foot of the cross. But God, at times, does require us to uh, participate and partner with him in our healing. Now, so, so it may be uncomfortable exercising. It may be uncomfortable walking. It may be uncomfortable eating the right kinds of food. And just when you're eating um, some things that you really love that you know are not good for you, it's a vacation meal, but not an everyday meal. It may be uncomfortable for that. But I'm telling you that God is requiring you to partner with him. And as we partner with him, I believe that what we've been talking about can be fulfilled. I believe that we can be the acts to church where we can come out with the silver and the gold and not one feeble person due to age, due to illness. illness. The Bible says Moses was 120 when he died and he was not dim in his eyesight or weak in his body. That sounds like me. So notice this. Your body is the temple of God. And God wants you to live. He wants to live in you. And he wants to, to, to make himself known through you. And it's important for us to recognize that our bodies is a gift from God. Your body is the temple of God. Would you say that with me? My body is the temple of God. It is a gift from God. And what we recognize then is society promotes unnatural standards of beauty. When we find that our body doesn't have a certain look that society says is beautiful, when we notice like wrinkles or gray hairs or no hair, then you may not see your body as a gift, but you are God's masterpiece. You have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. You have been created a, a, an original design. God wants your body to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when you accepted Jesus into your life, he came and began to set a residence up. And God wants to live in a holy and a sacred place. And we must see our bodies as a gift from God. And we know that God has made an investment in you. And he wants to live in a house that is cared for, and that you need to know that you are valuable to him. And I want to ask you a question as we begin to wrap it up and our team comes. Have you ever bought a house before? And when you went looking for that house, haven't you noticed that the owners often think that the house is more valuable than it really is? They want to sell it for more than it's really, really worth to you. But the reality is this, is that something is only worth whatever someone is willing to pay for it. The value of something is determined by the willingness of someone to pay for it. And if you want to know how valuable you are to God, if you want to know how valuable your life is to God, just look at the cross. Jesus was nailed to the cross. And as he was nailed to the cross, he was nailed to the cross with his hands stretched out. He was saying, this is how much I love you. And he was saying, I'd rather die than live without you. And if you're ever wondering how valuable you are to God, you're so valuable to him. Why? Because he paid the highest price that could ever be paid for you.